Hello, and welcome to a special conversation about Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. My name is Eric Davis, and when we use the phrase an instant classic, it is in reference to films like this one. From its flawless direction to its colorful costumes and magnificent choreography, it is truly a sight to behold. However, it is the film's unforgettable performances that provide its heart and soul, delivering an experience full of love and also heartbreak, but one that is rich with culture and family and a whole lot of dancing. Today, I am joined by an incredible trio of women who all play integral roles as part of the film's tremendous ensemble cast. Let me introduce them now. As Maria Rachel Zegler, as Anita Ariana DeBose, and as Valentina Rita Moreno. A hearty virtual welcome to all three of you and thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. Happy having us. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Rita, uh, I'd love to begin with you. You've experienced the story of West Side Story through the eyes of Anita in the original film and through the eyes of Rita Moreno in the making of that film and in the years since. But now for the first time, you had the opportunity to experience this story through the eyes of Valentina, a brand new character created for this film. What was something new and meaningful to you that you learned about this story and about yourself as a performer while experiencing West Side Story through the eyes of Valentina? Well, I think that being Valentina immediately made this a brand new experience, obviously. Valentina, for those who have yet to see the film, is the uh, widow of Doc, the man who ran the candy store where the uh, jets hung out. And uh, what happily I get to play is a woman of dignity and stillness filled with love. She has a relationship with Tony, the young man. She kind of looks after him. He lives in the basement at the moment uh, while he can get it, while he's looking for a job since he's just out of prison. That's two new things. That's Valentina and that's Tony's new background. And um, what is really special about playing her, you know, it wasn't difficult. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't difficult because she was such a natural character. She is, uh, she's Hispanic. She was married to Doc probably for all of their lives until he passed away. And she has found a new life with this young man as her, you could say her, her you could say that she thinks of him as a son and she's very protective of him. And she plays a completely different role than you could ever imagine. She's a woman of heart and soul and stillness. That for me is new, though there's a lot of me that is really like that in real life. And it took someone like Tony Kushner and someone like Steven Spielberg to just make use of it because I'm a noisy and raucous person. That is my personality. My hobby literally is laughing. I love it. I think it's kept me young, I swear to God. And uh, I asked Stephen one day, how did you know to dig for that, or did you have to dig for that part of me? 
because everybody gets, gets fooled by my noisiness and my, my, uh, my uh, tendency to just laugh and joke and do all that kind of stuff. That's who I am. But there's also a side of me that's deadly serious and uh, uh, very thoughtful. And he said something like this. I have to paraphrase it because I honestly don't remember the exact words. But he said, you know, you made me think of a race racing car. Hmm. He said, but you are at your best when you're idling. It's oh, wow. good, huh? Wow. And I thought, Ooh, <laughs> I, I know what he's referring to. And it's something that people choose very often not to see in me. They don't want to see that side of me. That's still person who observes and makes uh, uh, observations that are not always the, uh, the sweetest, but they are realistic. And it thrills me that he saw that in me as an actress and that Tony Kushner saw in me as a character. I, you know, Tony calls her the heart of the film. And I think that's absolutely so. Yeah, yeah I agree completely. Uh, Ariana, your performance of Anita is, is brilliant for many reasons. One being that you manage this terrific balance of honoring Rita and the women who have played Anita before, while also delivering this portrayal of the character unlike any we've seen before. Uh, early on, as you were discovering her, what was that process like for, for you? And, and what from your own life did you want to bring to your portrayal of Anita? Well, thank you for, for saying that, Eric. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I feel like when I, when I first heard they were doing this, <laughs> this little project, I, um, I was very fearful of taking it on, just because traditionally, you know, Anita's to me looked like Rita Moreno or Chita Rivera. Um, and, you know, many of the Latina characters I see portrayed on screen, they didn't look like me. So it's like, well, probably not a job for me. Um, so I had to be pushed into the door. And <laughs> thank you, Cindy Tolan. I'm very grateful. Um, but it wasn't that, just for clarity, it wasn't that I didn't think that I had the skill set to do the job, working on Broadway for as long as I have, like that's, this is actually what I do. I'm, I sing, dance, act, and breathe fire, and sometimes roller skate at the same time, because that's how, how I'm built. Um, but I just didn't think my physical manifestation was, uh, was what they were looking for. You know, a reminder to most actors, don't put words into their mouth, let them decide what they're looking for. Mm. But um, I, I went in and I did the thing and they asked, like, what is, <clears throat> what is something we should know about you? And I was like, well, I'm a black woman, I'm Afro-Latina, you know, and we've never seen that interpretation on screen. And if you're not interested in allowing that lived experience, because it's very different, Afro-Latinas and Latinos walk through the world differently by virtue of being black people. Um, I was like, and I just reiterated, if you're not interested in letting that inform this character, you probably shouldn't hire me because it would be a very different portrayal. Um, so that's what I believed was my way into the character was allowing her to be unapologetically black. Um, and just, I don't know, when I, 
when I spoke with Tony and then when I first read the script and seeing how he saw this woman in the context of this playground that is Stephen and Tony's West Side Story, she just sort of jumped off the page to me. Um, and I'm, I'm someone who likes to work that just allows the character to come to me. And she, I don't know, it was like she was just already there. I just let her do her thing. <laughs> so uh, I know that's not a very eloquent answer, but it is kind of how I let it evolve. And that's how she came out of me. I, th I think it's an awesome answer. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, uh, you know, you pretty much went from high school productions to nabbing the lead role in not just a new West Side Story film, but a film directed by the great Steven Spielberg. You know, it's a opportunity. Uh, it's a thrilling opportunity, but one imagines early on it was a little scary. It was intimidating. How did you overcome those feelings? And was there a moment where it all clicked for you and you knew you had truly discovered your version of Maria? Yeah, I mean, it, it was the most intimidating. Every part of it seemed intimidating to me. Every time I moved on to another part of the audition process, it was kind of like, well, buckle your seatbelts, kids, because I have no idea what I'm doing. And I still, to this day, don't necessarily feel 100% sure of what I'm doing here. Um, so it was a year-long audition process. I was in high school navigating whether or not I was going to go to college and what I was going to do in college and where I was going to be. And you know, on top of all of that, looming over my head, this idea of a possible motion picture, a lead in a motion picture directed by Steven Spielberg, which is not common for 17 year olds to be thinking about in high school. So, you know, I, I was just trying to study <laughs> and, uh, and do a good job in school. But then I got this part and, and I, I was able to work very closely with Steven and Tony Kushner and they, they took care of me, really ushered me to the light, to the best of their ability, but also left it up to me to figure out who she was. And it was really important to me that she was 18 at the end of the day, that the most important part of her character is how young she is. And I was 18 when I was filming the movie, you know, 16 when I auditioned, I was going through these motions at the same time that she was navigating my personal relationships and work and home and life and family and love and, and where it all fit in with each other. And honestly, it, it wasn't until we were filming that final scene and with all of the emotional complexity that comes with it, I thought to myself, what is she supposed to tell her dad now that she's lost absolutely everything? What does that letter home actually look like? And I sat down and I tried to write it and, and I couldn't do it without breaking down because I just didn't know how she would get through and what that resilience actually meant in the grand scheme of things. And obviously she keeps going. We see her you know, struggle to stand up, but she does at the end of the film. And she walks towards the camera and the look on her face is, is a look of not quite yet defeated. And you, it's a look of hope, even if it isn't always read that way. And, and that was really my key into her. And, and it came pretty early on in the process, thankfully. And, and it started, the wheel started to turn really after our first read through. And I couldn't keep it together after like hours and hours after we had read through the script for the first time. And it was just truly from a place of, of empathy, of wondering what this literal child is going to write home to her dad who has sacrificed everything to send her there in the first place. And what does she say to him? And is she going home? And, and what does home look like now? And how is she going to mend what has been broken? 
And is there any way to actually do it? And that was really my ticket into her. And, and beyond that, it truly just her youth and my lived experience as a Latina, being the first Latina to play her on screen. It was a, it was the weight of the world on my shoulders or so it, it felt. And then on my last day of shooting, I just kind of looked at that fire escape and thought it doesn't, doesn't look that scary anymore. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's very sweet. You know, but it actually does lead to my next question in terms of home and hope. You know, Rita, there are many new elements that redefine this story for a whole new generation and generations to come. And one of those is that Valentina, uh, at a pivotal moment in the film, uh, she's the one who sings uh, somewhere. You know, what did you think about that change when you first heard it? And how do you think it enriches the film and the story? When I saw it in the script, I nearly had a puppy and then I started to cry. I couldn't believe that I was the recipient of this hunk of beauty. Mm. It's a song I have always loved. It's a song that's been missing from the uh, stage production forever. Because it, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there used to be a West Side Story ballet. And in fact, the music of the West Side Story ballet is used in one scene. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Rachel, but it's the scene where you wake up in the morning and you realize you're still wearing the same yep. dress. Yeah, the scherzo ballet is what it's called. Scherzo, that's the, that was the ballet music was called the West Side Story Ballet. It was a real ballet, which they took out of the uh, play. So I'm assuming maybe the play ran too long. And uh, what is truly special about giving it to giving the song to Valentina is that it, her singing it brings a new meaning to this song because a place for us, us becomes something different. It's not just the, that beautiful sound that Streisand made in her gorgeous recording of the song. It's us is very specific and it's very local. And it's a, a song of not only longing, but it's a song for me, of just held in anger because I can't help feeling that she is so angry, that she is so deprived by these horrific circumstances. So that when she, at the end, she's saying somehow, somewhere, somewhere, it's, 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 it's a plea and it's an insistence that, uh, Things can change. We just need to pay attention. It's uh, heartbreaking. I, I'm so privileged to have been chosen to sing that. I, I, can't, I still can't believe it, you know. Mm. It's an amazing moment uh, in, in the film. You know, Rachel and Ariana, we, when we talk about on-screen chemistry, a lot of the time we're talking about romance, but we don't talk enough about the chemistry between family, between sisters, between confidants. Maria and Anita have such a beautiful relationship and I have different questions for each of you about that. Rachel, for you first, in your opinion, what was the key to unlocking that relationship between Maria and Anita in this film? And was there a moment during rehearsal or during filming where that connection between you both was cemented? It was just there, truly. We, we never discussed any of it, like absolutely, you know, hand on the Bible. It, it was not something we discussed. And I think that informed it way more because the, the nature of it was natural. 
And it just, that was all that it needed was just for us to be in our respective characters and love each other the way we did in real life, even if it never had to be voiced or discussed. And there, it all came from a mutual respect of each other's process and performance and our characters and as, as different as they are and, and recognizing the differences, not only between each other, but between our, you know, ourselves and our predecessors and, and you know, the different performances of, of iterations of West Side Story's past. So that honestly, it wasn't something that we, you know, cemented in any way. It was just mm. cemented from the word go. And particularly, you know, a boy like that, I have a love was something we just never talked about it. And then when we did it in between takes, we were chilling and, you know, eating snacks and scrolling through Twitter and laughing at things. And I think that made those days, you know, days of sisterhood beyond anything else. And like you said, we, we get to finally have these familial moments in this film that have never really been given, not, you know, not only just between Maria and Anita, but then adding the dynamic of having Bernardo present, present as well for those scenes, like that kitchen scene the next morning after the dance at the gym was a hugely important scene to establish that family, the sisterhood between Anita and Maria, the siblinghood between Bernardo and Maria, and then, you know, the, the spousal relationship between Anita and Bernardo. It's something that's never really been fully fleshed out and explored. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that we got to do that because that is what families look like. And, and that's something that we don't always get accurately. And particularly for Latinos, it's not always like this healthy representation that does exist in the world. You know, Ariana, you brought up the uh, a boy like that. Uh, I have a love sequence, and and Ariana, my my question to you was about that sequence, and maybe you can also tack on to to some of what Rachel said there. But you know, I watched this film for a third time last night, and and that sequence in particular hit me the most emotionally. You know, on my third watch, it was always very powerful, but that you you kind of respect how powerful it is the more that you watch it and how it's built up and how the emotions build up throughout the film. Uh, I think it's one of the moments uh, in a film and, and, and frankly, one of the most powerful moments that I have seen in a film. Um, can you talk a little bit about that sequence uh, and, and maybe add to Rachel about sort of uh, discovering that chemistry between you two and, and, and working on that sequence and, and how far into the film did you, did you film that sequence? Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad that's how you received that moment. Um, uh, we shot that very late in the process. Um, so we had the benefit of having spent time together, right, to build that very natural chemistry that was already there. Um, from my perspective, um, taking care of Anita, uh, I think you get potentially so many small moments that you've never seen before you know in the quintet you see Anita making dinner or setting the table you know when she comes back you know between uh with the camera shots that Janusz and and Steven have have given us you see she's coming home after identifying this body and the first thing she sees is the table with these flowers and I was like that's a very real moment that people who have who have gone through moments like this in their life that they have. Um, yeah. So for her to re go through those next moments that she has, to figuring out a way to gather herself, to knock on the door, da da da, da 
and you know, she does have all these moments replaying the 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 pre-America scene. And I love that scene because like like Rachel has spoken about, you get this familial dynamic that is really, really special. And I think what makes Anita's view of Maria uh, so wonderful is that she does acknowledge that she is an 18-year-old who is learning her own mind, who is finding agency. Because you never actually see Anita tell Maria that she's wrong or her thoughts are in the wrong place. She actually never gets to the moment where she's like, stick to your own kind until Bernardo dies. Um, and I feel like what I had hoped that we could bring to a boy like that was the allowance for both of their perspectives to truly exist in the same time and space, mm -hmm. which I believe we were successful at. Um, you know, Murph, uh, Anita having just lost the love of her life, her American dream is squashed in that moment. And in the same token, Maria's is as well. You know, and I think the maternal relationship, the sisterhood of it all, it's all right there. And it, it's nuanced. It's a nuanced moment. Not every audience member actually agrees with the choices that Maria makes. And quite frankly, not every audience member is going to agree with what Anita chooses to do after the fact. Um, so nobody comes out clean. But I do think you get to see two differing perspectives in this moment from two very different types of Latinas. And that is part of what makes it so powerful, the grief of it all, the hope, the love, the forgiveness. Forgiveness through immense grief is one of the most powerful things you can see on screen. Because we don't have a lot of forgiveness for each other right about now. So mm -hmm. anyway, that's what I have to say about that. Yay. It's an exceptional <laughs> moment. You know, one of the, um beautiful elements of this film is how much it embrace, embraces Latinx culture with its whole heart, including the addition uh, of the Spanish language throughout. And that's that's not just different versions of the story, but it's also a character in the film. And each of your characters has a different relationship with the Spanish language throughout. Uh, from the original film, what was it like on set for you to see the ways in which language was being embraced throughout in this version of West Side Story? Uh, how could I be but anything but thrilled? I was, uh, it's one of the reasons that being made executive producer became something, just not a name or title only. And that was very important to me. I, I don't want a title where that is empty and that has no meaning. And uh, I got to do a lot of input and I got to, uh, I got to talk to both men, these amazing uh, human beings, about what was important to me, what happened to me. I think that uh, being a part of this documentary that I've made about, that I, I haven't made, but that had been made about my life, has a great deal to do with all of that. It was a question of uh, bestowing the dignity that is earned to the characters that somehow never came through before. It is earned. It is not something that's imposed. And I think that uh, uh, Tony Kushner and, and, and Stephen really, really had to turn themselves inside out to be absolutely certain that this came to fruition. They went so far as just one example 
to go to the Puerto Rico, the University of Puerto Rico with the aim of having a panel having to do with the making of a new production of West Side Story. Now, I wasn't there when that phone call was made, but I can certainly imagine that the people at the other end of the line, their jaws must have been dropping because they also had to have said at some point, you know, there were people who didn't like it or there were people who didn't like it because of the gangs and so forth. And uh, the only repost that uh, Stephen and Tony could come up with is, well, that's why we want to do this. We really want to get it right. We really want to respect the characters. And if people want to tell us why they didn't like something or why they didn't like a character, we need to know that because it's something we want to fix. And boy, were they successful. And I am so proud to be a part of that. And it was wonderful. And the fact that it's not, there aren't subtitles, it feels organic and authentic, it feels real, most importantly. Ariana, what were some of the conversations you were having on set about the use of Spanish in the film? And how much did it ultimately help you inform your role and the relationships that Anita has with everyone around her? Well, I think, you know, I mean, for all of the Latino characters, um, you know, there were decisions that had to be made. How long have these characters been in Nueva York? You know, I've been, Anita has been there longer than Maria. So her accent, her use of Spanish is going to be different. Um, I was very adamant that my Anita was trying to assimilate, speak English without a practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I wanted her to really try and drive that home. And it ends up being one of the things that becomes very heartbreaking for her in the end. Because you, know, you see, Corey Stoltz, Lieutenant Trank, they speak English. And she's like, what did I do? Mm. What did I do to Bernardo? I, I, I think of it as like I othered him. I made him feel less than. I did what Trank does to us. Um, but I had made the decision that I wanted her to really try and speak English. And only when she's really immersed in her community or having a, a trauma response does she truly speak Spanish. Um, that just made sense to me for her. Um, but uh, it was interesting. We were speaking earlier as a group today about um, doc, the drugstore scene. And there are, there's Spanish book in there. And, uh, and it does come from an emotional trauma response. And when Maya Anita is speaking to Valentina and she's like, tu le has hecho a estos puercos. And she's saying, you harbor these pigs you're a traitor, you know, she says the word traitor in English. Um, but I, it's really powerful because she's like, I, I see you, we see each other, I see you. Uh, I, I think that's really interesting to speak your native language to someone who it's for them. I'm saying this for you, you know, um, I think those are really powerful moments. Um, but what I can tell you is that in regards to the process of, com of coming up with these accents and coming up with, with how much Spanish was gonna go into this script. Um, there, were, there was lots of input. Rita has spoken to that as well. Um, you know, she was the source. We also had a, a, a group of Hispanic community members that came in and would, would offer insight into what Spanish would have been spoken in 1957. Um, and we had many, many um, Tom Jones, Victor Cruz uh, were our dialect coaches, our main dialect coaches on this film. 
Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, there are many, many dialects uh, that were going through New York at the time. So we, there was not a stone left unturned in how to make uh, not only uh, historically accurate, but also appropriate decisions in regards to the Spanish that is spoken by these characters. I'd like to add something, if I may, to that. Yeah. When I came to the production, they were already in rehearsals. We were not filming yet. We were doing costume fittings. We were learning songs, rehearsing songs, rehearsing dances. The dances were still being choreographed. It was all still in the forming st formative stages. But what really impressed me and absolutely comforted me and reassured me was that there wasn't a week when somebody wasn't invited to speak with the two gangs, with the Jets and the Sharks, the actors, uh, to speak about the social situation at the time or how they experienced it. I believe that, I think it's uh, Rachel who said that, a, if, no, maybe whoever, that there was a gang member, a real gang member, an honest to God, authentic gang member who came to speak to them about what was happening at the time. Now, if that didn't convince you that these men really had every noble intent in mind, then your brain did. <laughs> you know, as, as we begin to, to wrap up, you know, having watched the film uh, for a third time last night, I was enamored not just with the choreography, which is brilliant, but also the staging of it all, where the camera is and how it dances around the characters so seamlessly. It's what I call that Spielberg magic, you know, and I'd love to ask uh, each of you, uh, of all the big and small numbers in this film, was there a moment that stands out as being the most memorable for you? The one where you watch it and you're like, yeah, there's lots of Spielberg matching magic that's happening right there. Uh, Rachel, I'll start with you. For me, it's, it is, as, as Rita mentioned earlier in the conversation, it's the scherzo where Maria has woken up the morning after the dance at the gym and the balcony scene has taken place and she wakes up in her clothes and her makeup and her hair is done. And Anita yells that breakfast is ready and she's like, I can't go out like this. And in a minute and 45 seconds and in one shot, um, Buzz, really, our camera operator <laughs> was truly working that day. And it took eight takes in total, which was pretty great because a lot of them were just technical things we had to flesh out. But it was uh, myself, Justin Peck, and Craig Salstein, who is one of Justin's assistant choreographers, um, dancing around my bedroom, just trying to figure out. And it was a moment that Stephen loved. He showed it to everyone who would watch. Uh, for like days and days and days after we had filmed it. And I just remember being really scared it was going to end up on the cutting room floor. And everyone was like, are you kidding? He's showing it, showing it to everyone. People who are visiting said, people who don't even work here. He's just like, come here, look at what we made. And um, it would just made me so happy. And the, the part he loved in particular was there's a part in the music that goes dun, 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 dun. Doo -doo. And to that, I just heard it in my head and I just fixed my hair to the music. And uh, we didn't do it to the music initially. We just kind of did it in counts. And I knew that it was coming and I just fixed my hair and it made it into the final cut of the film. And I was really proud of it. It was, a, it was an iconic Spielberg oneer, as they call it. And I was really mm -hmm. proud part of a Spielberg oneer. Um, and as, you know, the descendant of many, many Spielberg fans, and as a Spielberg fan myself, it was a huge honor. And, and it just made me think, uh, we're in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love the mo I, I I love that that moment by the way. And and in it you have these two I, I think it's twice 
where you kind of just hold and take like a, a beat of yeah. like where I'm at, where I am right now as you're rushing around. And it's yeah. just such a glorious moment. I love it. And it's so quintessential teenager in my brain. Like it's just how I would get ready for school in the morning. And, and it was this perfect just introduction. And it's also the only time Maria is ever by herself on screen in the entire film. So it's like the only moment she really gets by herself in a scene. And I really think that's so special. Hmm. Ariana, what about for you? I mean, there are so, I feel like there are so many special moments. I feel like I realized I was in a Spielberg film, though, Um, when (laughs) it's the final sequence in America and you've got this epic crane shot and it just pushes in. But it starts on the entire community dancing in the street. And you get to see Adam Stockhausen's beautiful, like, uh, outdoor exterior transformations. And you see the cars and you see the people in the clothes, Paul Townsend's gorgeous clothes. And you, you see all these beautiful brown people with this crazy choreography that we're doing. I'm burning holes in my shoes, dancing with the incomparable David Alvarez. And I suddenly realized, ah, this is a Spielberg film. Mm. It was like, it was excellence. It was just excellence. It was so big and yet so small at the same time, you know? And then you see it fully manifest and it's like, oh, it's an explosion of everything that's beautiful about this movie, right? And one push in. And I was like, that's pretty dang right. And then he chose to end it on a like kiss. I was like, also, that's ambitious, sir. Like, <laughs> can't even hurt him. I'm just Land in kiss. <laughs> kiss, really? Yeah, I up headbutted him to death. Fine. <laughs> I was always scared you were going to headbutt him in rehearsals. Always scared. I was like, it's just going to go. Well, and we know I don't know my own strength sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Well, it was flawless and it looked amazing. Rita, what about for you? Two things stand out for me. The very beginning, when the, the, they're establishing, when Stephen is establishing the gangs and the neighborhood, and uh, that these, these young men were setting out to uh, show that they were the king of the jungle, and they end up on a, uh, a, a mound of, 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 of rubble, saying, when you're a jet, you stay a jet. And I thought, man, that's so, there is so much Contra stuff in there. That's mm-hmm. The other thing that absolutely killed me and surprised me, when I was watching the film for the first time, I was with my daughter who's sitting next to me, and that Mambo at the gym happened. I mean, the whole numbers happened. And and I started to cry. Mm. Fernanda, my daughter said, why are you crying? This is so, so great. I said, because Stephen got it right. And I was breathing a huge sigh of relief, but I was also so moved by the rightness mm. of how he got everything. And the very last thing is that last shot when Chino has the gun and I take the gun from him and we walk and that crane goes up up, up, and it looked like three stories. And that's the other time I wept. It killed me. That very, very, very end scene. 
when the police squad car comes by and they take the gun from me and it's all at a huge long distance, but striking right in my heart. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm. It was truly exceptional. Uh, I could spend all day continuing to go through this film with the three of you. Let me just say thank you so much to you for joining us in this conversation this evening. I congratulate you on a fantastic job with this film and I wish you good luck in the days and the weeks ahead. The film is West Side Story. It is available to watch now once again. Thank you to Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose and Rita Moreno. My name is Eric Davis. Thank you for watching. Eric, you do a great interview. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> nice.